My name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Pop Culturing. Kathy, what is pop culturing? Pop culturing is a Gen X take on movies and TV shows. And we kind of go in these waves where first we were just doing all sorts of different movies and TV shows, and then we got really focused on 80s movies, see, like, say anything, and uh, St. Elmo's Fire, and Pretty in Pink, etc. And then lately we've been doing more recent movies, like we did... Avengers 2012, which isn't that recent, I guess, but it wasn't the 80s. Um, and today, today, we are doing a recent movie as well. Knives Out. We watched it in the theater, um, and I'm going to play 40 seconds from the trailer just to kind of remind people what it was all about. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to request that you all stay until the investigation is completed. What? Can we ask Why? Has something changed? No. No, it hasn't changed, or no, we can't ask. I'm gonna live till I die. You think one of his family walls walls killed? Is that what you're suggesting? You all love twisting the knife into one another. Up your ass. Oh, very nice. Matter of fact, eat shit. How's that? Eat shit. Eat shit. Eat shit. Smug smile. Definitely eat shit. All right, here we go. That's enough. It's like my favorite part right there. I know. We might have to play that part again. So let me first start of why I wanted to do this movie. You just said, let me start of why. Let me start to explain why. All right. Um, one is because we watched it last night. Right. And we are tending to, instead of like have this grand plan of, hey, this would be a good pop culturing episode, we're like, because we like talking about the movies after we watch them anyways. Right. So we might as well just do a pop culturing. But having said that, um, it was a movie that's hard. I don't watch mystery. Like how many mysteries have you seen in the last 10 years? Well, I think that's part of the point. There's not a lot of good mysteries out there. Right. Like when's the last time you've seen an Agatha Christie movie? Exactly. Like they're just not that readily available. I can't available. think of any like mystery for the sake of mystery movies that I've seen in the last 20 years. Well, in you know, talk about Gen X perspective. If you remember from the eighties, do you remember Death Trap? No. I remember like the movie pick the movie poster, but I don't think I saw it. Yeah, I think Christopher Reeve was Reeves was in it. Um, but there there was a time like Clue yeah, came I out. I don't think I saw that either, but I, that would be another obvious one. Right, and then they redid Murder on the Orient Express mm. fairly recently. But it's again anybody who's seen that before already knows what's going to happen. I think the thing about Knives Out is that it was an original. Right, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. it just kind of came out of nowhere. The director is a guy named Ryan Johnson. Correct who wrote and directed this film. Correct. He also wrote and directed The Last Jedi. Yes. So interesting leap. Well, um, he had kind of a, a history of good movies. Um, his They talk about um, his movie Brick and Looper, and he had kind of this, uh, he had a, a like a tight relationship with, what is his name? Joseph... Gordon uh, yeah, Levitt. Yeah, Gordon Levitt. Is that his name? Yeah. Anyway, he was in all of his movies because those movies I remember like were critically acclaimed. They weren't necessarily making a lot of money, but they people liked the way they were shot. And then he did The Last Jedi, and that was really – I don't know if it was split down the middle, but some people could not stand that mm-hmm. movie. Um, and let me say that again. Some people could not stand the take. Yeah. They may have enjoyed going to see it, but they didn't like the way he took things. And I liked the last. That's one where Luke is on the, in that crazy place mm-hmm. the whole time, mm-hmm. and uh, and then he shows up at the end as kind of a ghost. Well, it's the second one. It's the one in the middle, the second to last mm-hmm. one. But he's not a eight. ghost. He's alive on the island. I forget what happens. I think it's in the third one, right? Are we messing them up? I think we're getting them confused. Okay, so yeah, 2017 is when the Last Jedi came out, and the this Last Skywalker one, right? Is so yeah, and the last so the so the last Star Wars movie in the trilogy, J.J. Abrams came back came and back. did it. Yeah, so I, I I liked I liked this movie obviously a lot, and I also like Last Jedi. So it so matter. put it this way: people who liked the Last Jedi, this was just another great Ryan Johnson movie. For mm-hmm. people who were upset about that movie, this was maybe a redemption for Ryan Johnson. Right. Um, and so he did that. And then another reason why I like this movie, and then I kind of want to hear your two cents, is that it was kind of tense, stressful, mm-hmm. kind of a thriller, definitely a mystery, but funny, like really funny. Yeah. We and, laugh at a lot of parts. And it wasn't like comedy funny. It was just 
like I don't know if we were supposed to laugh. I don't. There was no jokes. Well, let's put it that way. I have heard comedians say, "I'm not a comedian myself," but I have heard the best comedians say that you shouldn't have to like set up a joke for good humor. Right. That if you're playing the role correctly little explanation is needed yeah. because life is funny in itself. Right. right. And so all of these characters together, um, is what makes things funny. And these little kind of moments of interconnection between the characters is what makes things funny. And I think to make something funny, you have to have someone in the movie who's kind of the straight person, the one that when I say straight person, what I mean is the the grounded character, right. the person that you're like either rooting for or really focusing on intently. And it allows the people around that person to kind of play a little more because right. their characters were more eccentric. Got it. So what? A, why did you like this movie? Well, you and I went in to see, the first time we saw it in the theater, I've seen it, well, let me say it this way. I've seen it twice and I've listened to it once because mm -hmm. last night I was so tired that I just kind of closed my eyes and listened to the movie, yeah. but I did hear most of it again. So I've seen it three times. Um, when we went to see it in the theater, we had heard it was really good and it was you, Skylar, and I, and I knew nothing. I did not read anything. There's something beautiful about walking into a movie theater, not having viewed the trailer, not having read any reviews, right. and that's w what we both did with this one and then that other one that we really liked that we just kind of spontaneously... Uh, Queen and Slim. Queen and Slim. Well, I, it's not true that I hadn't read reviews. Okay. I hadn't read a synopsis, yeah. so I didn't know the story, I didn't know, but I had heard that people loved it. Got it. Okay. So, like, there were there was talk, you know, pre-Oscar uh, talk, that it should get nominated for certain things. Oh, wow. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and the other reason I like this movie is it kind of like, so there's spoiler alerts left and right. So if you haven't seen it, I don't know why you're listening to this yeah. anyways. Go see it first and then re-listen. Yeah, and then come back and listen. Um, as a viewer, I'm like, okay, I get it. They're going to try to figure out who did all this. And uh, what's her name? Ana de Armas, uh -huh. who plays Marta. Marta. Um, she kind of like throws it all away and helps that one woman resuscitate herself. And she turns herself Fran. in. And all of a sudden I'm like, wow, where's the story going to go right now? Because the whole buildup has been Marta trying to be elusive. And then she just kind of like reveals everything. Like, and she tells like every part of what she did about two thirds of the way through she the She already movie. told Ransom what she did. She told Ransom and then she told Benoit, Benoit, Benoit Blanc. Benoit Blanc. Who and we're going to talk about. I love that scene when they're in the hospital after Fran goes to the hospital. And sorry, you guys were jumping to like basically the end. We'll go through the beginning too. But I love that scene because she says, okay, she's like, I'm done. People are getting hurt. She's like, okay, here's what happened. And, and Benoit's like, yeah, we already know. And Ransom already told somebody, you know, told everybody or told someone at the police station. And she's like, so you know about blah, blah, blah. He's like, yeah. Yeah. Like he's not, he already knows. He never. But did we know that he already knew that before that was well, revealed? It's interesting because he knew she had something to do with it because he, sorry, again, spoiler. I hope everybody's seen it. He saw her shoe From at the, the very, very beginning. beginning. So there is a moment. So for those of you who've seen it once, go back and watch it again, where the, he, hasn't interviewed her yet. He calls her, he, he's smoking a cigar out on like the screened in porch and he calls her out there and he starts talking to her about how he hears that she throws up if yeah. she's going to lie. And in that moment, he looks at her shoe, looks up and looks back at her shoe. Now, if you haven't, see you're the watching it for, for the, the first, first time, time, you're never going to notice it. But if you rewatch it, you see all of a sudden, wow, he deliberately he looked down and saw mm -hmm. And as a viewer, you don't know that until the end of the movie. Correct. Which is kind of cool. And that is like one tiny Easter egg mm -hmm. of dozens that are in this movie. Right. There's everything in this movie. The reason why the screenplay was so amazing is because there's things that someone who has watched it 10 times will be like, look how cool that is, or look how the backdrop is, or there's so much of a focus on detail that... You know, again, I've heard people who are in production and in screenwriting say that the detail that you may never notice adds to the realism you experience with the characters. So you may not notice that all of the stained glass windows have skeletons, mm -hmm. but there's a subconscious part of you that does yeah. that allows you to be more invested. Well, and I would say yes, and 
you can watch this a third or a fourth time and experience it differently. Correct. Which tells me that it's a really good movie. Correct. And there's other good movies that I love, but you see it once and that's all you need. Whereas this is right. one that you truly can get something out of if you're really paying attention to a lot of the details. Well, and I think that's the genius of the movie is I don't think, even if you're like, yeah, I kind of like Knives Out, I'd give it a B, you know, whatever. Go back and watch it again yeah. just for the those fun parts. Yeah. Like go back and notice what the dogs do with everybody. Mm-hmm. Go back and notice um, Grandma. Yeah. Who I love. She's hilarious. She's hilarious. Um, go back and notice, like, one thing that Todd and I didn't know is that um, Benoit Blanc, when they're being interviewed by the police officer and he hits the piano key, mm-hmm. I the first time I watched it, I just thought he was being annoying. That's what I thought. And you find out that he does that to get the police officer back on track and to have him ask them what time. Yeah. Every time he hits that, what you'll notice on the second watching, if you know that, the next question from the detectives are about the timestamp of the... Of that person. What happened that When you came, when you left. Yeah. And so these things were, you know, because the first time I watched it, the piano, the ding was just a funny aspect of his character. Because finally, I think it's Tony Collette's character. What's her name? Uh, Joni. Joni's like, um, excuse me, who are you? Like, yeah. it's kind of a funny, nobody has said anything about him yet. Yes. And it's a funny Interesting way moment. of introducing a character. It is. And he's great. So the other thing I want to say, and then maybe we'll get into the characters okay. or I'll play a clip. Um, believe me, I'm not comparing this to Shawshank Redemption, okay. but the ending is really satisfying. Oh, good. And, and, and I remember we talked when we did Shawshank on pop culturing, the reason that that movie is so good, there's... Most movies end well right. with a good ending. Right. Like, you know, they the hero wins. But most movies do not earn the ending. And what Tim Robbins says about Shawshank is great endings are fine as long as it's earned. And I feel like that happened exactly with this movie as well. Well, and it's interesting because I think that if I were to guess why you feel that way is because Marta is the protagonist, then the antagonist, then she's lying, then she's telling the truth, then she's willing to sacrifice herself. She goes through all the range. She doesn't get off easy. And she is vulnerable enough that then you're rooting for her. But there are certain parts you're not. Like there's certain times where I was the first time I watched it where I wasn't sure what I felt about her or how I felt about the family not getting the money. Um, And even at the end, though, Todd, even though I agree that it's satisfying, you don't know what she's going to do. You think you know what she's going to do. Right. What do you think she's going to do with all that money? Um, Actually, I don't know. We should talk about that. Well, let's talk about it. What do you think she's going to do? I think she's a kind hearted person. So I think that she's going to give something to some of those family members. And she's also going to keep most of it for herself and her mom and all that. But she's not going to like tell all of them to screw off. She says at a certain point after, or maybe twice, I have to help them. Mm-hmm. Like, I do not think she will not give them money. But when she's drinking out of the coffee mug from uh-huh. the balcony, uh-huh. she kind of has this look like, F you all, I'm... I win. See, and I didn't feel it that way at all. Interesting. I felt like she was, it was a distinction in who had power. Yeah. She was above, they were below. Which is the inverse of exactly how the, the movie opened. Because in, in the movie, the whole time they're like, Marta, mm-hmm. we're going to take care of you. And they were totally lying to her because the, um, you know, one thing that they never really completely resolve is that each of the siblings say to her... I thought you should have been at the funeral, but I got outvoted. And they also uh, screw up on what country she's from. Yeah, like Ecuador, Paraguay. Uruguay, Paraguay, Ecuador, and one other. So just those things, those two things, and that's just the smallest amount. I mean, there's so many things that define their characters, but they don't really care about Marta. No. They just want her to yeah, be with their like dad. you kind of have a dislike for almost everybody in the family. Right. Is there anybody in the family that you like? Um. Well. Or that we're meant to like? I think Meg has some moments and then she kind of blows it when she tells the rest of the family about her mother. She's the younger mother. one about Marta's age. Uh-huh. Because yeah. she does care about Marta and seems to be her friend, but then she is afraid enough about her own 
schooling or money that she tells the rest of the family that her mother, Marta's mother, is undocumented. Yeah. Um, which isn't great. And so it's kind of a two-part question because if I really knew these people, do I think any of them are great? No. And I also think that they had been taking advantage of Harlan their whole lives, that they had basically just allowed him to do the work and they had taken advantage of him. But character-wise, like if I'm looking at it as a movie, I really loved watching Joni. Mm -hmm. I really loved watching uh, Linda, who is Jamie Lee Curtis. I really loved Don Johnson's character. So I guess he's Richard. He's Linda's husband. Like, not because they were good people, because I enjoyed watching them. Um, But, like, even Linda, who's Jamie Lee Curtis, she's the first one that they interview – she talks about how she is self-made, how she, different than her siblings, she's the one who started her own business from bottom to the top. And there's at some point in the movie, and I can't remember, but where one of her siblings is like, yeah, with the million dollars yeah. that dad gave you to start it. Right. Like, I think they don't really even have an understanding of their own privilege. Right. And that's demonstrated to me most clearly in the scene where they're talking by the fire and they're talking about politics. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, well, I don't want to go too far down that <laughs> path. Um, but just the way that they're talking about other people and about they need to respect the law and who do they think they are. And it's such a reflection of their own character, of their lack of empathy, right. of their lack of understanding of other people's need. And now they are in need. Yes. And right. they want Marta to give to them. Right. All of a sudden, the tables turn very quickly. Correct. And we're going to play that scene in a second. Okay. But before we do that, uh-huh. I'm going to play one sound effect, and you tell me if it reminds you of anything. <laughs> me snoring during the movie? Close. What about when we watched this movie originally in the theater? <laughs> so Todd, Todd and Skyler and I went to see this, as I said, and... At some point, I don't know when, but Todd fell asleep. I I now know because I rewatched it last night. Which part did you fall asleep? I, f- I thought I s- fell asleep for like two or three minutes. I was out for a good 15 to 20 minutes. And it's from like minute 15 to about minute 28 or something like that. Okay. And it's basically when the whole movie is being set up. That's the essence of So the movie. I woke up and I was trying to kind of like catch myself up in the story realizing that I'm going to be miserable for the next hour unless I know what happened. And it's the part where he slits his throat. Uh-huh. Like I missed that. Uh-huh. And the medicine and the medication and all that. You didn't even know about it. I had it. no idea. So I did the most annoying thing in the world, which was I leaned over and I said, what did I just miss? And I think Skylar and I did like a total movie moment as if we were characters in a movie and we both looked at him at the same time mm. and then just looked back. But like, you did catch me up a little what bit. What did I say? I think you said she screwed up the medicine and he slit his throat to protect her. Okay. Well, that was a pretty good synopsis. Yeah. Because otherwise I would have been lost. You get to see a lot of the detail. You get to see their relationship, what good friends they were, the fact that she was not, she did not want to do the plan, the fact that she was willing to call 911 as, um, you know, what is his name again? Uh Blanc always says Benoit Blanc. Benoit Blanc. What he always says to Marta is, "You are a good-hearted person." Mm-hmm. And partly, you know, part of the way during the movie, you're like, "Is he being? Is he trying to bait her? Yeah, like um, uh, motive, uh, manipulate her, manipulate a little bit. her." But really, that is really who she is. Sure. She's a good-hearted person, and she um, can't even lie, or yeah. else she throws up. Which is a funny. That's what's funny about this movie because everybody's got these little character you know they're just kind of fun to watch like what an interesting take you know that the person who's trying to hide everything you know that her tell is she growing up so like when she's telling the story initially to benoit blanc he you know harlan told her um you need to tell it, but don't lie while you're telling it. Yeah. Like even when she's talking about giving him the medicine, she said, since he hurt his shoulder, I had been giving him mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. So she didn't talk specifically about that night. Right. She set it up in a very specific Correct. way where she wasn't going to barf. Correct. So the last thing before we play the one clip after the will is read, uh-huh. which is kind of a funny one because it's when all the family members just are going nuts because they realize they might be broke all of a sudden. Right. Um, the cast is quite extensive and really good. Uh-huh. Daniel Craig, uh-huh. and I have to kind of like admit something here, reveal <gasps> a piece of myself. I've never seen a single movie with Daniel Craig. 
You don't see any James Bond movies? Have you and I ever seen a James Bond? I have nothing against James Bond movies, and I'm sure they're really good, but I just, it's not my type of genre. Maybe we should watch Skyfall. Have you ever seen him? What have you seen Daniel Craig in? Nothing. Right? But I just But you see him everywhere. Right. That's the thing is like, I, for people, so I just have a soft spot for James Bond, and I feel like I see all the movies, but I don't anymore. I think I went through... Timothy Dalton, and then I was done. Yeah. So who's been since Timothy Dalton? I don't know. Pierce Brosnan? He was probably before. And then Daniel Craig. I have no idea. So anyway, you know, because my dad used to watch these movies. So no, but I feel like I know him. Yeah. Um, Chris Evans, uh-huh. Captain America. Yes. Anna de Armas, who I did apparently the girls know who she is, but, and I thought she was great. She's somewhat new to the scene. I've never seen her. Ben Affleck's new girlfriend. Jamie Lee Curtis, who we all know. Uh-huh. Michael Shannon, uh-huh. who is kind of like that guy. Like I He's a that guy, yeah. I've seen him in a bunch of stuff, but I can't tell you what he was He's in. been nominated for Academy Awards. He kind of- oh, really? Uh-huh. Oh my gosh. He kind of always plays- um, Creepy guys. Creepy guys or a villain. Nominated for two Oscars. Mm-hmm. You're right. I'll be darned. So sometimes people get- Two, these two names confused, Michael Shannon and Michael Sheen, uh-huh. or Sheehan. The, you know, the guy that we love in 30 Rock, you know, um, Wesley Snipes, that guy. I know who you're talking about, but and I don't know And he's a name. good actor too, but he's more of a comedic actor. He was nominated in 2017 for something called Nocturnal Animals. Yes. And he was also nominated in 2009 for The Revolutionary Road. Oh, yeah. He was the... Um, do you remember Revolutionary Road? Is that with uh, it, Leo and... Leo and Kate. And Kate. Oh, yes. that's a tough watch. I know. I'm trying to remember who his character was. You and I saw it. Mm. Anyway. Uh, so Michael Sheehan, is that who I just said? Yes. Okay. Michael Shannon is Shannon, his name. Sorry. Thank you. Um, as I'm going through this. Don Johnson. Uh, Don Johnson. Sonny Crockett himself. Yes. Tony Collette. Yes. My gosh. Uh, Christopher Plummer. Like how many... These are big names. I know you were not pulling out any Sound of Music quotes last night while we were watching. I drank with Jim and Brad. I know. Think about Christopher Plummer's career. I don't. I just know him from Sound of Music and that one movie that Belong, my sister loves, um, be- Beginners. Beginners. And he won an Academy Award for that. Uh, I'll tell you what else he's Christopher Plummer's from. He's known for Beginners, The Insider, uh-huh. which I saw a long time ago. Me too. Um, all the money in the world. Never heard of that. Beautiful yeah. mind. I saw that. I don't remember that he was in it, but whatever. It's just the longevity. I mean, somebody who wants to become um an actor or actress, like you'd kind of want to be like, all right, I think I want to do what Christopher Blummer did. Like yeah. start when I'm a very young man, and then when I'm in my 80s, I'm still, you know, doing this. I'm trying to go back to his older movies just to see if there was anything really significant. God, he was in the um, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Um, he was nominated for The Last Station. Never heard of it. Uh, and All the Money in the World. Haven't seen that. He's old. Syriana. Remember that movie? No. As you said, A Beautiful Mind. I'm, wow, Todd, his IMDb is like, I can't even get through it. It's so long. Right. Well, he's. I think he's almost 90 now. Unbe. Speaking of age, uh, the old, his the person who plays his mom. Yeah. Her name is uh, whatever, Kate something or other. Yeah. Is uh, she younger than him? Despite playing his mother in the film, yeah. she is six years younger than him. I totally would believe so that. So they just made her look really old. Okay. So here's the scene where the will is read and okay. they realize that they don't have any money anymore. Okay. And it's just kind of a funny scene. So. Right up your ass and get out! And you cops, too! Out! Out! Right now! No! Richard, we need to talk. We need to to fight this thing. We're not going anywhere. I said get out! We are the thrombies, goddammit! This is still our house! Or is it? Or is it? And then they turn to the lawyer like, is this our house? (laughs) Oh, sorry. Uh, likewise, the house at Two Dearborn Drive and all belongings therein, I leave to Marta Cabrera. <gasps> oh, oh. Little bitch, you! Oh, uh, little bitch! Did you know about this? Were you in on this from the beginning? No, 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 I just want to know, what were you? What were you doing? Were you boinking my father? Boinking? No, 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 no. I think everybody just needs to cool their Do you hear that one? He said you had sex with my... And it's funny. I read a little bit about that line. 
that kid ad libbed that line, and the line was, "You had sex with my grandpa, you, you dirty, dirty anchor, anchor baby. baby." Now I needed to Google what anchor baby was. Oh, you got to get up on your uh, Republican talking. It's point. used to refer to a child born to a non-citizen mother in a country which has birthright citizenship, especially when viewed as providing an advantage to family members. Blah blah blah. So I didn't know that. Well, and I shouldn't say, and you know, I want to be fair. Um, a very right wing conservative. Uh, you know, not all Republicans, but very right wing uses anchor baby quite yeah. a bit. So Michael Shannon heard him say that line uh-huh. and they didn't, he's like, so he said to the director, he just had a really interesting line. So then they reshot it so they could make sure make that, that line was heard. So two interesting things in that scene. First of all, that um, the lawyer is Frank Oz. Yes, Yoda. Yoda. So Yoda is playing the lawyer. And obviously because it's Ryan Johnson's Mm -hmm. movie and he had done, you know, The Last Jedi. So he had brought Frank Oz into this movie, who doesn't look anything like you would think he would. Right. Um, And we've seen him before, but it was just funny. I would have never been able to pick him out. And the second thing is, is what's interesting about that scene is prior to Harlan dying, because he did take his own life because he was trying to protect Marta. Basically, the majority of the family, except for Linda, had been told that they were not going to be given any more money. Right. So they were all pulled aside, Ransom, Joni. Um, basically, Linda's husband, Richard, was told, you tell her that you're having an affair or I will. Yeah. Um, so that in itself could be him you yeah. know, out of the will. Michael Shannon's character, uh, Walt, had been told, you're no longer in charge of my publishing. So there was a period of time that night where they didn't think they were going to get any money. And then when he died... Like, oh, we're safe. We're safe. And so this is just a double whammy where they're like, now we're still not getting any money. And maybe I missed this. What drew him to... Because he created that will like a week before. Uh Uh-huh. What what propelled him to change the will? He had had all sorts of realizations that Uh, you saw in flashback when he was talking to Marta, where he realized he, he felt that he had hurt his family by allowing them to allow him to be their crutch. Yeah. Now, I think he felt taken advantage of. I think he felt that he hadn't allowed his family to grow up. And he, it, Marta basically was a listener. Mm-hmm. She was not saying, yes, do that. Mm-hmm. Or, But she did know that he was planning on cutting them out. Yeah. Um, so I want to play the donut hole speech just okay. so we can hear Daniel Craig's accent. It's, I think when I first saw it, I'm like, it's kind of an annoying accent. And then I fell in love with it very quickly. So That's I, how I felt about Joni, too. Is I remember when... Which was Joni? Joni, Tony Collette. Collette. Is her first scene, you kind of, you hear how she talks. And it's like, you know, it's like yeah. that kind of, you know, inflection. Um, a little bit of vocal fry or, um, you know, up talk. But then as you get to know her character, it's perfect. Yeah. Like, it's so annoying, but yeah. it's perfect. So this is, for me, the funniest part of it is the donut hole speech. And I think there's two different speeches. This is the one closer to the end. Okay. I told Ransom, Ransom told you, and I'm telling you now, it is an immovable fact that I killed Harlan. Yes, you did. Yes, he did. Yes, you are. But, but I spoke in the car about the hole at the center of this donut. (laughs) And what you and Harlan did that fateful night seems at first glance to fill that hole perfectly. A donut hole in a donut's hole. (laughs) But we must look a little closer. And when we do, we see the donut hole has a hole in its center. (laughs) It is not a donut hole, but a smaller donut with its own hole. (laughs) And our donut is not a hole at all. Look, look, I... (laughs) Just a great writing. And this is his real voice, all right? I just want to play it. But we got and and then st- these people started turning up. We got Mike Shannon. We got Dom. We got Jamie. We got uh, you know Anna De-, De Armas, who's just like you know like the- may as well be two different people. Absolutely, but I gives you an appreciation for what these actors. It, do. I, I was just going to say that because um, also you and I have just started watching The Americans, which yes. is a totally different show. Maybe we'll do something about that eventually, but we're still in season one, so we got a long way to go. But Matthew Rise, who's he's Welsh, mm. and he doesn't speak like that at all. Interesting. Like his accent is completely different. Just think about any actor who is, you know. But it's just interesting when you I, I, when there's such a big character for them, and that becomes how you identify them, and it's not even really close to their voice. Yeah. Well, and he was modeling his accent 
for a guy named Shelby, Shelby Foote. Foot. Yeah, my dad used to have all his books. So this is his voice. Yeah. Almost the opposite of the Jews uh, having Holocaust museums and, and all kinds of things. Uh, I regret that. Uh, uh, I, I think they ought to celebrate their past the same way the Jews did about bondage in Egypt. They, they're not ashamed of it. They say it's pretty good. He I mean, did, forget about what he's saying. Right. It's, forget about that content. Uh, it. He did a good job of using his voice as inspiration. Well, there's something. So, okay, I think it lends really well to um, who his character is because I think sometimes the the protagonist that we love. And by the way, Shelby Foote. He's an American writer, and he wrote the book The Civil War, a narrative, a three-volume history of the Civil War. So you can imagine why my dad loved Sounds him. Sounds like a John Cassani <laughs> totally. special. He loved him. Um, so, but what I was going to say was that there's something about Blanc where you kind of think he might be dumb, mm -hmm. yeah. but he's not at all. No. So that kind of voice where it's a little full yeah. with a draw, it's, it's not just about a Southern accent. It's like it sounds kind of... Full. Yeah. I, I don't know how to describe it any better, but it kind of makes you think that he might not be super bright, yeah. but really he's ahead of everybody. everybody. Yeah. And he has like, Todd, I think all of our favorite scenes in this were him. Um, well, and I think the sequel is him and nobody else. Right. I think they just take his character and it's Which on Which is really what mystery. you want. I think yeah. I'm going to miss the cast, yeah. you know, like Captain America and Jamie Lee and Don Johnson, but. Captain America goes to prison though. Yes, he does. He wouldn't have much. No. I could. I have that ending queued up too. If we don't want to hear that at all, but it's not that important. I don't think. Well, even the fact. I mean, just talking about ransom, like that. That's his, his name. Yeah. Right. Well, and it's funny. The one part that I didn't quite connect with uh -huh. is when this is actually the part. Maybe I'll. I won't play the whole thing, but. I guess I did. So what do you have on me? Nothing. What attempted murder? I get arson for the building and a few other charges with a good lawyer, which I have. I'll be out in no time. And then you'll see just how much hell I can wreak on your life, you. That's the one part I didn't, like, I know it makes the story come to completion because now he's going to jail for murder and, and how she didn't throw, throw up until she throws up on him. But why he didn't have to say any of that stuff. No, and you know it's a little bit like, and I would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for yes, you. Yes, exactly. Husky kids, but he, she was able to say that Fran was going to be okay, which made him feel bold enough yes. to admit it because he's and like, it falls I'll in get his, off. It fall, falls in his character. It and does. Personality. That's something he would say, and so basically he admitted to it. Fran had died. So it was going to be a bigger deal. So I have a ton of trivia. Okay. But before I do that, do you want to say anything else? Because we'll be talking about the movie during my trivia anyways. But Okay. It's, yeah, just go on. Uh, so I talked about um, his mother being, uh, Christopher Plummer's mother being six years younger than him, at least the actress. When Ransom tells his family at the will reading to eat shit, he originally was supposed to tell them F you. Oh. Uh, this was changed to keep the PG-13 uh, rating. Makes sense. But I feel like PG-13s nowadays are different than PG-13s when we were younger. Like, PG-13s now are really much more aggressive. I think it's sexuality, all about... Sexuality, violence. It's, it's about a count. So if you have too many FUs... Oh, really? Yeah, I think it, there's like a number that Got you can it. have. Yeah, I don't and know. And in that scene, he basically goes around to everybody and says, eat shit. And we were laughing last night because we heard Don Johnson say... I will not eat one iota, iota of, of shit. shit, which is hilarious. It's a funny line. That was one line. of my favorite lines. I know. Ryan Johnson contemplated cutting Blanc's donut speech, but no. Craig convinced him that it was good. Watching the actor deliver it sold him on keeping the entire thing. Oh my God, it's the best. That's hilarious. Isn't that funny? Because they did that on Dirty Dancing when the line is, nobody puts baby in a corner. They Patrick Swayze's like, there's no way you're going to make me say this line. It's never going to make the cut. And that's the line that everybody thinks of. Totally. Well, it's because know. it's so cheesy and bad. I know. And the donut hole thing is ridiculous. I know. But that's what, it, that's what makes you remember it. When Benoit Blanc is first seen by the audience, oh, you talked about that. When he... Uh, the ding. The ding. So we talked about that. The name of the character, Harlan Thor Thrombley, Thrombley, is oddly close and possibly an homage to the title of popular 1980s Choose Your Own Adventure book by Edward Packward entitled Who Killed Harlow Thrombley? And we had all those books. I had that book. I know. We had all I of them. I loved that book. They came in a box set. And I just the idea of Choose Your Own Adventure is you can skip 
from one page of the book to another, and I, I just thought it, it was fascinating. It would say on the bottom of that page, if you want blah, 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 go, go here. here. And if you want blah, 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 blah. And of course, you'd read it more than once, so you'd get both experiences. Are those types of books still around? Well, interestingly enough, Neil Patrick Harris, his memoir, Doogie? he did it as a choose-your-own-adventure. Really? Yeah, I don't. I didn't read it. Oh, it's interesting. So I don't know how he did it, but he that's what he modeled it off of. At one point, Benoit Blanc references Gravity's Rainbow, the sprawling 1973 <laughs> novel that won the National Award and was nominated for the Pulitzer, but offended the Pulitzer Advisory Board because some members found it unreadable, turgid, whatever that word means, overwritten, and even obscene. So no Pulitzer was awarded that year. Since the author refused to turn up in person for the ceremony, Viking Press sent a comedian to accept the prize in his place, and a streaker crossed the stage in the middle of the ceremony. Benoit adds that nobody reads the book, but he says he likes the title, which refers to the arc of German V2, V2 rockets during the Second World War, and the detective compares that to the arc of a murder mystery. So turgid means swollen or congested, or bombastic, or pompous. All right. And, you know, we had a friend who loved this book, and we had jokes about this book You used to get drunk and make fun of him for liking well, this book. we would all, the four of us, we would hang out or have drinks, and then he would bring it up. That's one for you. And he would talk about it. That's one for you, Jim Gatone. Jim Gatone. And then one of my favorite nights, the four of us were talking, or maybe there was more people. <laughs> <laughs> Jim hadn't brought it up yet, so Todd <laughs> went and picked up the book and handed, yeah. and handed it to him, like, okay, it's time. So Do like, you remember that? Like, no, I have no idea. <laughs> so I was just basically fishing? So basically we were, like, not talking about it, yeah. and then you went and picked up the book and opened it and put it in his hands. <laughs> Come like, on, okay, give us some. Because he would try to explain it. It made no sense. It was so the only part I remember about what he told me is, like, it's about how when a bomb drops on a community oh, that the people feel the re repercussions or the effect of the bomb before it actually lands. Okay. I'm like, that makes no sense. Oh, that's no horrifying. Sense. I know. Yeah, I have not read Gravity's Rainbow, but I just feel like when when Todd and I saw this movie the first time and we both, he brought it up, we looked at each other like, oh my God. because that, that. So Jim, we're thinking of you. Patton Oswalt contacted Ryan Johnson after the film opened to ask if the needle drop of Gordon Lightfoot's sundown at the one minute, one hour, 21 minute mark was an, in, an intentional reference. Apparently the song is possibly about a groupie Lightfoot had experience with named Kathy Smith, who's best known for being the one who gave John Belushi a fatal yeah. injection of heroin, of heroin and cocaine. I think they call that a highball. Mm -hmm. Is that a highball? And Patton, who's brilliant and is thinking in terms of 3D chess, is like, was that a crazy reference to Marta? I don't even know what that all means. So first of all, while I'm talking, find Sundown so people know what the song is, because it's a very famous song. Oh, it is? Oh, yeah. You'll know it. Okay. Um, you know Gordon Lightfoot, right? I, Yeah, but I wouldn't be able to say He has why a very... A memorable voice. He did the Edmund Fitzgerald, or is it Edmund Fitzgerald song about the boat that sinks? And he, so he used to write about real life things. Okay. So I think this song, Sundown, really is about John Belushi's death. Oh, really? Yeah. I've. I've never heard this song. Are you kidding? Where were you in the late 70s, 80s? I was playing wiffle ball. And I'm looking at the comments. It didn't say anything about John Belushi. Well, there's, a, there's something about... When what Pat Oswalt just said is the the drop of the record, like the song when, okay, so this is what happens. Marta tells Ransom the whole story, okay? okay? And then Ransom has to rethink because yeah. you know. She's giving him new information. New information, and he thought he had framed her. And he didn't and because she accidentally switched the medication. Correct. So he's realizing I have to rethink my plan. Mm. And as he's rethinking, um, that song starts at a specific point. Oh, interesting. So like the song doesn't start from the beginning. Got it. And you you may hear it a teeny bit in the background, but it gets louder. Mm. So if the song is literally not about, but see, I've, I heard it was. Um, I'm going to pull it up 
Uh, yeah, Sundown John Belushi. It shows up as a. It says Lightfoot. Okay, let me let me tell you this. Um. She later, let's see. She later had an affair with Gordon Lightfoot. After the affair ended, um, interesting. So she was with him. Let's see. So the Smith Lightfoot affair was volatile and illustrated in the lyrics of Sundown. Lightfoot's number one and most lucrative song. It reflects the dark feelings Lightfoot was experiencing at the time. Um, so it sounds like it was really more about their relationship. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Um, you ready for another one? Yes. Uh, Har- I'm still reading this. This is interesting. Harlan Thromby, who I think is Christopher Plummer, right? Harlan, okay. He's the main guy. Foreshadows the ending when he mentions to Marta that the carefree lifestyle of his grandson, Ransom, makes him unable to tell a prop knife from a real one. In the climax, Ransom attacks Mar- right. Marta with a knife that he... So there are these kind of like planted Easter eggs that will help you figure out the ending if you're really, really, right. really smart at doing this type of and stuff. And I think if you have are seeing it for the second time and you already know the ending, mm-hmm. then you, you pick up on it, all these right. things. Which, you know, the first time I saw it, um, the prop knife... I mean, it's great. It's a great scene. They do it in slow motion. I wasn't sure what what happened, but where did he did he take it from that wall of knives? I think it's part of the chair. Wasn't that a chair or was that a wall? I it, was it was a like, wall. Oh, it was I thought a it was circular. A, I thought wall. it was a chair with no a bunch people of... just sat in front of it. Oh, okay, got yeah, it. Yeah, because if you notice, they at one point. In the movie, they're sitting to the side of it. Yeah. And, and then, then eventually they're Daniel in the Daniel Craig is right it. in the center mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. The donut hole reference. The donut hole. Uh, the message Harlan leaves for Linda in the envelope written with invisible ink, which Richard merely saw as a blank sheet of paper when he found it. Um, my heart, it's time to cut the dead wood. He's cheating on you. I have proof. I know you don't see. Untether yourself. It's time, Dad. So that was, uh, once again, another kind of Easter egg because earlier on... Jamie Lee Curtis's character said, me and my dad would always play games. We play games, yeah. And that was one of the games, is it was Invisible Ink. Correct. And then Don Johnson has a black eye. Yeah, so you know she hit him, yeah. She bonked him. At the epilogue, Linda Linda Thromby finally manages to, oh, this is what I'm talking about, Mm -hmm. decrypt decrypt the message Harlan left for her. Um, Okay, so those were my best trivia. I have some B-level trivia. I don't know if you want to hear any of that. So who... Did you say who you like the best besides the... Benoit Blanc. I know Benoit Blanc, but anybody else? Anybody Um, that you enjoyed watching? Let's see. Who did I like the best? Ransom is awesome because he's such a jerk. He's such a jerk. Eating those chips in the beginning when the will's being read. And he's also playing with chess pieces. And that's another thing is he thinks, like when you see what he's doing with the chess pieces, you know Mm -hmm. chess better than I, but he Uh, has the king... Right. And he's putting it on top of yeah. the other yeah. ones. Yeah. Something like that. We we saw that in the video yes. last night. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Writer and director Ryan Johnson named the main characters after musical artists from the 1970s. Oh, interesting. Walt and Donna are named after Walt and Donna from Steely Dan. Cool. Joni, Joni is Mitchell, Joni Mitchell yeah. and her dead husband was named after Neil, Neil. Young. Uh-huh. Lastly, Linda and Richard are named for Linda and Richard Thompson. I love that. Who's Linda and Richard Thompson? I don't know. I don't know either. Um, what about Meg? It uh, doesn't say anything about Meg. Uh, Harlan dies on his 85th birthday. This is a reference to Agatha Christie, who died at the age of 85. Knives Out is a tribute to Christie's writing style. Did you ever read any Agatha Christie um, books? Only like versions of it that were for kids. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like I never read like the original Murder on the Orient Express, but they made them for kids. Um, so it says Thompson. They were in British folk rock music. Yeah. So that's who they are. It doesn't say what band they were in, though. I don't know either. Manford Man. I don't know. Um, let's see. How fun would it be, Todd? I mean, it's kind of like how his parents were given this huge task of naming our children. Yeah. If you're writing a screenplay or a novel, I write, but I'm not a novelist. I'm a nonfiction writer. But to come up with people's names, Mm -hmm. there's so, you know, like any movie, any story has a story behind the names. Right. Like why you chose those names. Yeah, you have to. And Charlie, my buddy. Yeah. 
always has these random names. I'm like, how come you don't throw me in there? Yeah. Like, what's his problem? Why doesn't he? Well, he probably doesn't want you to be a murderer, and he doesn't want you to be killed. Well, there's some protagonists in his um, stories. Let me be a protagonist. Well, can I tell you some an interesting story? Because we've talked about this before, probably on Zen Parenting. Sure. Um, is that we have a daughter named Skylar. And we got that name from Goodwill Hunting. Yep. Mini Driver plays, um, you know, Skylar. I'm sorry, I'm reading at the same time because I have to remember this story. Matt Damon had been dating a girl named Skylar mm. while they were writing this. And then she ended up leaving him and is now married to the lead singer of Metallica. Oh, my God. How do you know all that? Well, and that's the thing is I, I was wanting to make sure I can't find it, but I just vaguely remember it. Um, and I will, I will confirm that, um, while we're sitting here, but isn't it interesting how Matt Damon had a girlfriend, she left him, he, she ended up with the Metallica guy and then we watched that movie and now our daughter's name is Skylar. Yeah. Just one of those really if weird. Matt Damon didn't date this woman from 1990 or whatever. Right. Our daughter our would not be named, be named Skylar. Skylar. And on that note. Off subject, I read an article that someone just had twins yesterday and named them Corona and COVID. Yeah, I heard you tell me that. I just don't know about that because it's not a great memory. No. And your children will kind of hold that. Yeah, it's a little strange. Yeah. like And and, who, and it wasn't an Onion article. Mm-hmm. So... Sounds like an Onion type of I headline. Know. I know. Uh, last but not least, this movie reunited Frank Oz and Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, do you have any idea what movie they were in together? Let me think. Let me think. Matt. Okay. Frank Oz and Jamie Lee Curtis. It's really hard unless oh, you it really is? know. Okay, go ahead. Trading Places. He was who the was cop he? at the beginning. Oh, one I of the wouldn't cops. have gotten that. Uh, and we all know who Frank Oz is, don't we? Oh. Stay and help you, I will. I'm your friend. I'm not looking for a friend. I'm looking for a Jedi Master. Jedi Master? Yoda. You seek Yoda. You know him? Mm. Take it to him, I will. <laughs> I love Yoda. I wish he was real and he lived with us. He's my fave. He would be, he'd have his own room. Yeah, I'd, I'd let him. He could have our room. Yeah, whatever. You're Yoda. You can have whatever you want. Can you imagine if every day we're like, we're not sure what, what to do. What would we do with Yoda if he was our friend? We'd feed him things like chicken. Because remember, he stole... Um, yeah, what, he stole... He stole Frank, uh, Frank, Luke's, Luke's food. Yeah. Didn't he have chicken in there? I guess they don't have chicken in Star Wars. I don't, I don't remember seeing any chicken. But it looked <laughs> like, like it was in the container where somebody might put chicken. Totally. But what if Yoda lived with us, because he has the force... Like, would we have him? He would. Ha- he would lift up the things that are heavy for me. What? But I feel while like while vacuuming. But would we? I think life might be easier to a fault with Yoda living in the house. Well, you know what? We wouldn't be able to say we didn't know what the right thing was. I think sometimes the most difficult thing. There's an animal in that window, and I'm looking at it. Sometimes the most difficult thing is once you know something, you know something, mm-hmm. and you can't pretend you didn't. And if you lived with Yoda, he would be like our conscience at all time. Not that not that you and I are avoiding things we know. We're pretty, we're very honest people, but I just kind of feel like he would be like, it'd be that extra pressure to be Would a he really like hang person. out and watch TV with us? If we were watching Star Wars. Just wonder what type of TV Yoda would watch. Maybe he'd watch Star Trek. Do you think Yoda would have watched Tiger King with us last week? No, I think he would have been very against it. Be like, what are you two doing? You do this podcast called Zen Parenting Radio, and now you're doing something on Tiger King? I think he would have advised us against it, and I think he would have been like, let's watch Buck Rogers... Battlestar Galactica. I'm just picturing like him levitating. Right. Like he wouldn't sit on the couch. Right. He would just be, it'd be cool. You're to talking have a, about baby Yoda now from the Mandalorian. He's the levitator. I guess, yeah. Old Yoda. Old Yoda just walked but around. Old Yoda can do whatever he wants. He's, old Yoda, he, he was, he just walked like a person. Yeah. He had little webbed feet. Until, um, yeah. So, anyways, you know what? We'd put him in the backpack like Luke did. <laughs> yes, we would. You know what? And I'd you take him on your, runs with me. You could do your atomic habits. Yes. With him in the backpack on I, your back. I would. I would. And then I would just talk to him about things, and then you wouldn't. I wouldn't bug you so much about deep things because I'd be like, "Don't worry, I'll I'll talk to Yoda." Yeah, about I'd say, it. you know what? I don't have it in me tonight. <laughs> 
Just just hit Yoda, Yoda up with this. I just want to watch sports. He'll have an answer for you. <laughs> um, wait, going back to the Skylar thing. So the role of Skylar was based on Matt Dam- Damon's ex-girlfriend, Skylar Satinstein, or Satinstein, who he met at Harvard. And it said before filming began, Skylar left Damon for Metallica drummer Lars Ulrich. Oh, yeah, Lars. I like that guy. Mm-hmm. So he's the drummer, not the lead singer. yeah. yeah. Um, any last takes before I play the closing song of this movie? Such a great closing song. It is. Well, I would say this. Obviously, if you're listening to this whole thing, you've seen the movie. See it again. Enjoy yeah. it because there really are a lot of Easter eggs in this movie and they're subtle and they're fun. And I just say more movies like this. Agreed. Uh, see you next time on Pop Culture. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and feel free to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Also subscribe to our Zen Parenting Radio podcast, where we discuss self-awareness and mindfulness, sharing the latest research and pop culture. We're on our ninth year, but there's still always something new to discuss. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out our third podcast, otherwise known as Team Zen. One of our team members described it as an advice column meets group help meets like-minded community. With your $25 subscription, you get two live Zen Talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions, plus a Facebook community where you can interact or just listen to like-minded parents. If you can't join us live, you can still access all the Zen Talks through the Team Zen Podcast app. Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to ZenParentingRadio.com and submit a speaker request. And while you're there, check out our upcoming events or you can purchase one of my free books. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the Support Us link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. And guys, I have a one-on-one coaching practice. It's called Coaching for Guys. You want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationships with loved ones? We can talk in person, phone, FaceTime, you choose. And don't forget about Tribe Men's Group. We have a virtual community from men all over the world. Head on over to tribemensgroup.org or shoot me an email at Todd at ZenParentingRadio.com. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald head of beauty, and the company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidco.net or give him a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support, and keep on trucking.